Hook them up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Busy fourth hour of our five. The five-hour grind, which we love doing. It's uh, five hours a day, five days a week. Austin's only local morning sports conversation. Bottom of the hour, it's our buddy Nick Shuley, set list ATX. And there's a rundown of music on Sunday that's uh, really good. The whole weekend's pretty darn good. Also, we'll try to find out some in details on who's going to be playing Longhorn City Limits this weekend. You know, home nice. games, Rod. Home oh, games. Yeah. That's right. Had mm-hmm. Pat Green in week one. Who will it be in week two? Or home game two. Week three of the season. Also, in about uh, six minutes, we'll talk to Jerry Hamilton inside Texas, their senior recruiting analyst. We talked to Jerry before the Alabama game, and he told us it would be a significant recruiting adjustment if the Longhorns were able to beat mm-hmm. Alabama. It would be a huge, huge boost uh, with some of these uh, players, not just this class, but beyond. We'll get his update where it's at right now on this Wednesday. And the Longhorns apparently going to have a big uh, recruiting weekend with some of the top recruits that are still pending coming to town for the Wyoming game. Yeah, they should uh, be able to you know, close on a lot of these guys considering the momentum they created after beating Bama. And Jerry said once, and we can ask him about it again when we bring him on, that if Texas beat Bama, it would mean more for recruiting than them even winning the conference and winning the Big yeah. 12. Yeah, because that yeah, that's how big have it would big be. Because, again, um, you I mean almost 9 million people watching the game. Yeah, everybody watched that game. Yeah, TCU never. They didn't win the Big Twelve uh, last season, but <laughs> they ended up with their best recruiting year in the history of TCU recruiting because they came off that national championship run, and it meant more for them. Some of those big games they won. So I agree with Jerry on that, and we'll see. Uh, actually, we talked to uh, KJ Lacey on the uh, Longhorn live stream yesterday, who was the commit, the quarterback commit from the state of Alabama, who was the only Texas commit at that Texas-Bama game. Um, he told us about how uh, how hostile it was nice at first. And he was outnumbered, everything, and then how sweet it was at the end uh, when Texas actually uh, was able to seal the victory for the Longhorns in Tuscaloosa. We'll talk to Jerry about that real quick, Rod. We're also starting to preview week two of the NFL and the Aaron Rodgers story. It's ripple effect. The Cowboys get the Jets this weekend. J-E-T-S. How about this, Rod? You had the great stat about teams that lose by 21 or more in week one. Mm-hmm. How about this? In the last two seasons, NFL teams that lose by 10 or more in week one are 9-3-1 and one against the spread the following week. There you go. That's and since set. 2010, they're 51-33-3. That's against the spread. Double-digit losers in week one, Rod. Panthers. They'll play the Saints this week and are plus three. Mm-hmm. Seahawks lost double digits at home oh, to the Rams. They're that's plus embarrassing six. Fashion, yeah. Plus six at the Lions. Bengals got hammered by the Browns. They are favorites against the Ravens on Monday night. Colts, they, there's kind of a, a clash here because the Colts and Texans both lost by double digits and oh. they play this weekend. Ooh. You like the Texans in that one, don't I you? I do. I do. I think the Texans, well, look, I, the, they, they're just not going to be able to run the ball much with this offensive line in a mess like it is. But uh, but you got Anthony Richardson. He can make some mistakes as a rookie quarterback. That's the battle of uh, the second and fourth picks of the draft. Steelers got embarrassed. Embarrassed by the uh, San Francisco I want to say it was the worst home loss that Tomlin's had since he's Has been to there. Be. And I believe it's the case. It was embarrassed, but it was also they were humbled because they were outclassed by San Francisco. What now a, they now they play the Browns and they're you know underdogs by two and a half. What about the stat that Rod gave us earlier this week about um, teams that play San Francisco? Oh the yeah. Week after they're like they were like one and no they 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 they, they, they lost they lost like every, every game. game they the team that played San Francisco uh, last season lost every game the next week. It's how no, rather they rather they whether they won or lost versus San Fran. 
every one of them went over and lost the next week. Think about that for that Monday night match. Yeah, it's a good point. It's it's yeah, right. It's it's almost a hangover effect. Because they're, they're so, so damn physical. <laughs> it takes yeah. like two weeks to recover. But then you have the Mike Tomlin effect and the Steelers, who were just embarrassed. You know Tomlin oh, has yeah. had at it. And uh, Browns it came easy against the, uh, Brett, the, Brett, the Joe Burrow Bengals. Also, the Bears lost by double digits in week one. They played the, the Buccaneers. Bears. Um, the Bears. By the way, how about the Bears getting three points in Tampa, where the Bucks surprised the Vikings last week? That's a one to watch. They don't believe in Baker? And then how about this, Rod? The Giants, who were just thoroughly embarrassed and uh, beaten like – you know, what is it? What is it? The romper, the romper stopper, <laughs> the romper the, stopper, the, 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 the porta potty <laughs> pugilist. Uh, the Giants are five and a half point favorites at the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, oh, I'll take that all day, every day, and twice on. So actually, Arizona played; they, they were competitive in Week One. Like we always said, the locker room ain't tanking. That's the front office that's tanking. Oh, by the way, locker room still got some pride. Yeah, I know people were upset about this huge party. I thought it was his son's party. Yeah, people have said that Brian Dable threw a party. Before he yeah. played the uh, Cowboys, well, Michael on K. Night. Michael K. The big um, yeah talk show host in New York said that the Giants coach threw a big party at his house the night before they got polaxed by the Cowboys. But it was his son's party. Right? It was his son's sixth son's birthday. birthday party. Son's like, sixth birthday. Well, yeah, I did have a party for my son's sixth birthday. You a hole, <laughs> calling me. <laughs> well, look, man. Hey, listen. <laughs> what you want me to do? To, to put off a son's sixth birthday? It's like, hey, man, trust me, wifey would not allow it. <laughs> Come on. It's New York, too, though. You played in New York. I played in New York. They don't care. What are you doing partying? <laughs> what are you doing partying? Birthday cake. <laughs> That's why blue. you're soft, man. You're soft. <laughs> With a capital T, soft. Oh, you're having parties before? Oh, yeah? <laughs> how you like that? It was his six, well, look, six-year-old son's birthday listen, party. This like, is how, rowdy, how rowdy did he get? Yeah. <laughs> when they, when well, they like, played a good rowdy, rousing game of pin the tail on yeah, the donkey. Exactly. You know what I mean? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> he, wasn't up, he wasn't up that late. It was a six-year-old's birthday party. Man. Uh, I will also say that uh, th- this is what I love about Week One. Like fan bases, if you if you were watching and, and paying attention to Chicago radio, Ooh. oh my gosh, the Chicago fans are so upset because they thought obviously the Jets fans, you know, just enjoy the suffering. They uh, won though. No. Yeah, they won, but still they lost Aaron Rodgers. So yeah. yes, um, the, so that the, the gut punch of that. But yeah, the Bears. People were talking about them winning the division. Bear fans were excited. They were, and they just got and and it was the Packers. Who've have owned them forever with Favre and Rodgers, and now it's another. They don't have him anymore. We're gonna take it, take it back, because we're mighty Chicago, Mm-mm. and they got stomped. Stomped. That's Detroit's division. Chicago, get used to it. And now the fans <laughs> are just like, oh man. But I will say, Aaron, I would say Jordan Love. I, I watched, I watched some of that look game. Look good. Look good. He looked pretty good. Just, he looked just, okay. Uh, He's a, he's a cog in the wheel of that offense. Yeah, exactly. They're not asking him to do too much. Yeah. They run the ball and still, they play good effectively. D. And, yeah, that defensive front up for theirs is pretty good. And they're, they're actually maybe one of the – they may be one of the better defenses in the NFL we don't talk about either. It's actually the Packers. Uh, they're pretty loaded there. So we'll see. I actually liked what I saw from Jordan Love, though. He, I don't know if he's going to be a Hall of Famer like the two previous quarterbacks that started before him, but he's definitely going to be a uh, you know, starting franchise quarterback for the Packers um, until – he proves them otherwise. Well, let's remember, they traded up for him in the first round to take Jordan Love. And then they, this is the Packers, right? They, they That's let, what they do. They let Aaron Rodgers sit for three mm-hmm. years behind Brett Favre. And then he took the reins. And we know where that went. But they have a, they have a philosophy yes, organizationally in yep. Green Bay, obviously. It works. All right. Uh, this guy has a philosophy. And it's all about uh, Longhorn recruiting, big-time recruiting. He's the senior recruiting uh, analyst for, the, um, for On3 Sports and, of course, Inside Texas. He is our friend Jerry Hamilton. Jerry, how are you, man? What's up, Jerry? 
I'm great, man. How are you guys doing? No, 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 no Texas football talk on the radio this week at all, right? None. <laughs> Not none. enough. <laughs> yeah, people, people don't uh, need any of it. They don't want any of it. There's no red meat needed. Uh, but, hey, uh, so now that we, we talked ahead of the Alabama game, we talked about how big that game could be for recruiting. Now it's over, and the Longhorns won it by double digits. Uh, what's been the impact so far from your read on the recruiting trail? Well, it, it, I think it's been all positive for Texas, as you'd imagine. Um, it, it's interesting. I'm going to go to – uh, the On Texas Football YouTube channel, we had a live stream last night with Rod Babers and myself were on there, and K.J. Lacey, the Texas 2025 quarterback commit, was uh, came in and spent about 8-10 minutes with us. He was at the Texas-Alabama game, so Texas fans, that's the On Texas Football YouTube channel if you want to see that K.J. Lacey interview. Um, but, uh, you know, I, the most the funniest part to me was when we asked K.J. Lacey you know, about the impact in recruiting it has. And he's, Rod, what did he say? My phone was blowing up yep. after the game, right? <laughs> yep. I mean, these kids talk, they talk, they know each other. Uh, this is where recruiting's different nowadays. So, yeah, the reception for, uh, for the Texas staff, is it's been amazing on the recruiting front. And that doesn't always equal commitments right away. I, I think some fans get carried away. Well, who's flipping? When's somebody committing? These kids work off their own timelines. They're in their own lanes. Uh, but the main thing to know is that Texas is getting great feedback from guys they want to get great feedback from in the 24 class right now. But the big thing for me about a game like this, guys, is what it does in the future of recruiting. Mm. And when you look at it, if you look at Texas, Alabama, there are more kids from the state of Georgia that were guest recruits of Alabama than any other state Saturday night. That is the toughest state for Texas to recruit in right now because Georgia's on top of the college football world. It's easy to recruit in Louisiana. They're your neighbor. It's easy to recruit in Florida. Those programs aren't on top right now. And Tashard Choice had built-in relationships in Orlando and southwest Florida from his days at Georgia Tech. So those areas were easier to target for Texas right now. They've had a little success in Mississippi, feedback in Alabama a little bit. But Georgia's been the toughest state. So what I think this win does, I think you're going to see this spring, as long as Texas goes and handles business, right, you're going to see this spring and this summer a lot more kids have interest in going to check out Texas and see what the University of Texas is all about. That's, where, that's what, what these wins do for you if you go have a great season. Because the one thing Alabama's had, Nick Saban has had, to his credit and his success, all the national attention you get continuously for more than a decade, he was able to get any kid on campus he wanted. Meet that kid, mental eval that kid, physically evaluate that kid at their camp in their settings. That is a huge advantage in the talent evaluation part of this. The more kids Texas can get on campus through this win and the rest of the season – your recruiting gets better because you can make better decisions. You have more choices uh, of kids coming in. You can get more kids through your door to check out your program and spend time with you. So I think the returns you're going to see in recruiting are more than this 2024 class, which will be a top 10 class and maybe another top five class. It's going to be in 25 and 26. Hey, Jerry, is there a, a particular position? You know, uh, obviously, Sark's done a great job constructing this roster over the last uh, few years, but is there a particular position uh, that needs to be of focus or that is a focus or an emphasis for Texas in recruiting this next cycle? Yeah, yeah. I think right now, you know, if you look at it, some of those top guys left on the board is Brandon Baker, the number one offensive tackle prospect in the country, ranked that way. It doesn't mean he's going to be drafted that way. He's the number one ranked tackle prospect in the country. He's a right tackle. 
With Christian Jones moving on to the NFL, Cam Williams has shown some signs, but that right tackle job is going to be open. Competition. Mm. Kelvin Banks came in and won a left tackle job. Now the talent is different on the offensive line at Texas now versus when Kelvin got there. But Brandon Baker, it's easy to see a path for him at right tackle at Texas. Right tackle's in need in this class. Um, Corner, Kobe Black in this class. Ryan Watts is departing. Um, You know, you, you have some good young talent there. But when guys, when these starters depart, these kids see opportunity, right? I mean, Rod went and lived this and went through this process. So Kobe Black is yeah. a is top corner on the board. Then there's Wardell Mack committed to Florida. Corey Gibson committed to Clemson. Texas, if they could add two corners less in this class, they'd love to do it. Um, then you look at wide receiver. A.D. Mitchell Worthy, probably going pro after this year, right? Uh, for Ryan Wingo out of Missouri, the five-star is visiting this weekend. That's an inviting place to be for a recruit is, wow, I just watched A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy running up and down the field, scoring touchdowns and making big plays in a win at Alabama. It, it, that's a pretty easy sell right now for Sark. Um, doesn't mean the recruitments are easy, but the sell is easy, especially when the offensive scheme. And, and Wingo and his family will be in town this weekend. So I'm looking at right tackle, corner, wide receiver i think they've done a really good job addressing needs if they could find one more d tackle um that fits their profile i think they would they've addressed size really well in this defensive line class with alex january and deandre robinson a uh, guys that can play over the ball deandre can also play a three tech and be a really really good player down the line but in the nav melvin hills if they found a fourth that could be a, a an aggressive guy that he can make penetrating plays i think they'd take a look at that Interesting. Jerry Hamilton, uh, the best, as always. Uh, how about the uh, Micah Hudson situation uh, during the week? Texas Tech lands the five-star from Temple Lake Belton. I don't think a huge surprise. His father played football there at Texas Tech. He had a great relationship with Joey McGuire. You mentioned Ryan Wingo. Uh, any surprise at all there, or do you think that was a foregone conclusion and now Wingo becomes the target? Uh, foregone conclusion, I think Wingo's been the number one guy for Texas yeah. for a while. Um and I think that's kind of known, right? Uh, so Sarkeesian has personally recruited Ryan Wingo for over a year. Through his transition and his wide receiver coaching change in the offseason, he was, he was the one recruiting Wingo. And then Arch Manning was involved in Wingo's official visit. There's, you know, there's a lot of things there. Chris Jackson's done a really good job with Wingo as well. But I think Wingo has been the top guy at wide receiver for a while at Texas. And, um, you know, so I, I think that was fully expected. Okay. Uh, also, I would ask you this, Jerry, the, um, you know, the, the recruiting for the Longhorns. We talked about this. You know, the two of the biggest impact players for the Longhorns on Saturday night, and there were many of them, were uh, a freshman, Anthony Hill, and then a freshman uh, redshirt, and Ethan Burke. And if, if memory serves, both of those guys went to the tape, right? They were the last day commitments. They flipped yep. from A&M and flipped from Michigan, and, and Texas came in late. You always tell us about recruiting to the tape, recruiting to the finish line. Those two are great examples of how it can impact your club if you in, in your program if you do that and, and get those flips on signing day. Yeah, and I think that's been different. It's been an adjustment for Texas fans since Sarkeesian's got here. I kind of jokingly call it recruit through the whistle because if coaches ask their players to play through the whistle, then you have to recruit through the whistle on the other side of that to get those players. Uh, but I think that's been tough for Texas fans because they're used to early recruiting, right? Matt got everybody used to early recruiting in the state of Texas. Um, but this staff recruits through the whistle. They're going to stay on their top targets. Now, it's easy to blue blood school with the portal now because you can roll to the portal and fill a need that you don't fill in recruiting. But it also makes it easier to stay on your A-list targets 
those guys that you say, okay, not only are they talented, but they're really good fits with our culture and our program. Uh, but what, what I think in the last class, guys, Jelani McDonald and Warren Roberson were senior year guys for Texas. I mean, Warren, a Texas staff went to watch Jamel Johnson, who was committed to Texas at the time, who's now at TCU, and Warren Roberson was playing on the team opposite him. And those guys ended up flipping. Warren Roberson went to Texas and Jamel Johnson went to TCU. That was a senior year evaluation. Ethan Burke, senior year evaluation. So Texas isn't going to move off their A-list targets that are committed somewhere else. And then they're also going to keep evaluating the senior class because somebody's going to pop up. A couple of kids are going to pop up that end up being targets of Texas. They say, okay, this kid fits the talent criteria, and he also fits that culture criteria. That's where the staff has done really well. And the only way you maximize that is if you recruit all the way through these kids' senior year and keep evaluating these kids, making sure all the kids you sign are the best fits for what you're wanting to bring into the Texas program, not just athletically, but when they're not on the football field. Hey, uh, Jerry, I want to ask you about uh, just kind of Texas recruiting uh, philosophy. They've done such a great job in development, um, and you got to give Sark yes. and the coaches have a ton of credit. We've actually seen it, right, real time before our eyes, guys get better uh, under, with, this staff's, uh, with this staff's development. Is it possible that now looking forward in recruiting that this uh, staff will – take chances on more, I don't know, more raw skill sets of players um, who may not be as polished, uh, uh, you know, in terms of the recruiting rankings. They're not as polished players uh, all around, but they project to be uh, really, uh, you know, uh, really dynamic players, but they just have very raw skill sets because they trust their development. Is that something that we could see more of with Texas doing, or are they already doing more of that, experimenting with some guys who may be a little on the raw side, but their upside is just tremendous? I think it's a great point, Rod, because as you build the talent of depth in your program, you have that ability to say, okay, this guy's a great fit for what we're looking for. It may take him a year or two to get where we want him to be as a player. But once you build the talent in your program and that depth, it's good to take three or four of those guys in a class that they don't have the expectations to come in and compete for a starting job day one. They understand, okay, here's, our, here's what we've done developing players at your position at Texas. This is where we see you. We, you know you're going to take some time. We know you're going to take some time. We love your talent, and we're going to get you there as a player. And I think it's a great point, Rod. And, again, once you build that talent of depth in your program, you can take a couple more of those guys in each class mm. and not have to rush them to the field yep. and take, your, uh, take that year or two developing those guys and get them ready to where they hit the field, there's not a drop-off. Love that. Jerry Hamilton, yeah, the development has been there. Gosh, I mean, Anthony Hill Jr., right? He flipped from A&M because he saw, he saw the development of a Jalen, Jalen Ford, and uh, we've, we've seen it over and over now. Uh, all right, this weekend, uh, Jerry, it looks like a big weekend. Colin Simmons, who's already committed to Texas, apparently is going to be on campus for the game. And uh, who else is coming? What's the guest list look like for the Longhorns? Yeah, it's a really good guest list. Uh, Kobe Black's a maybe to come in. Ryan Wingo's going to be there. Obviously, he's the headliner, a five-star receiver out of St. Louis University. That's an unofficial visit. He's already been to Texas officially. A lot of 2025s. This list kind of builds as the week moves along, but there's some really good 25 offensive line guys coming in. I'm talking like four or five guys ranked in the top 200 in the country. In that 25 class, Michael Fasusi, the uber athlete uh, left tackle at Louisville High, he's coming back. I think it's his third visit since the spring to Texas, maybe fourth at this point. He is an elite athlete at left tackle with elite length. Um, and he's 
in pa- he's as good a pass pro prospect as you'll find. Um, he's coming back this weekend. Uh, there's going to be a number of those offensive line guys, top guys, a kid named Devin Harper from Captain Shreve in Shreveport, an area that I think Texas – Texas can have success recruiting. And, look, they've recruited well in Louisiana. South Louisiana is a different animal than up on I-20 uh, historically. But those kids on I-20, they'll travel to college a little bit more. Obviously, Nick Saban's had more success on 20 than anybody at Bama, which makes sense. But Devin Harper, uh, he was at LSU last weekend, and he's scheduled to be at Texas this weekend. So, I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about, drawing some eyes um, to Texas now. And, uh, that's one of the top offensive tackle prospects in the 25 class. He's from Captain Tree uh, in Shreveport, Louisiana. But then there's Andrew Marsh, a really talented receiver. Taz Williams, another talented receiver at Red Oak, both 25 guys. That class of 25 is going to be really impressive. It's going to be in Austin this weekend. But one thing I want to say, September 30th, is all the Kansas game is always set up to be the big 2024 player official visit weekend. So Texas coming off the win at Wyoming, it's going to be a raucous atmosphere. It's great for recruiting a night game, LED lights, everything. But September 30th in two weeks is is when Texas has been targeting for their official visits in that 24 uh, class for guys that aren't committed. Good stuff as always. That's why he's the best in the biz. You see him on uh, the on Texas on football on Texas football uh, stream at YouTube with Inside Texas. Of course, reading him at Inside Texas. Thank you, my friend. Good to see you, and we'll talk uh, during the game on Saturday. Thanks, Jerry. You got it, man. Talk to y'all then. All right, there it is. That's why he's the best. Jerry Hamilton is the best. Hey, discovered one Rod Babers back in the day. First one that gave me uh, my bump in the recruiting world was one Jerry Hamilton, a young. A young spry He's Jerry still young. Hamilton. He's still he is young. young, but he was younger back then. I, I also was... want to thank Jerry for his help. And for everybody that tuned in to the uh, Watch It With Us, Watch With Us uh, on Texas Football oh, web yeah. stream during the game in the Alabama game, we had huge numbers and a lot of people checking in. And uh, hopefully that continues to grow because it is a fun way. And you, of course, joined me in the second quarter. It was really fun. Bobby Solid Burton fun. and Ian, Ian Boyd. And it's just, yeah. it's just in-depth analysis and, and conversation during the game. And it's not distracting. It adds to the game. right? It does we, add to it. You know, we, we watch the game with you, but then, you know, when, when they go to commercial, break we talk about the game so you don't you know you can still go to the bathroom and come back whatever you got to do but it's a lot of fun we'll do it again this week with the uh, wyoming game we'll go live about 15 minutes before kickoff and then go all the way through the post game and then you're on the post game rod yes sir that's my man bobby burden and uh drew kelson that's the on texas football youtube channel Mm -hmm. for inside texas so that's where it'll be rod and i working and partnering with those guys on a lot of things now this football season so if it's not on the horn uh, you can find it there that's where you need to go right when the games are over um, we do our pregame show from the Mockingbird Saloon, but then postgame on Texas football and in-game on, on Ten- Texas football, the YouTube channel there with Inside Texas. We got you covered. We're coming we, back. We got you covered. And when you do come back, it's a very uh, jam-packed live music weekend in the ATX. It's a set list, ATX, coming next. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Austin, Texas Sports, The Horn. Yeah, time for set list ATX, and we start with a sad piece of news we talked about on Monday. But yeah, on Sunday, the uh, music world, the Texas country music world, lost a legend, lost one of the best, the great Charlie Robinson, uh, suddenly passed away. And uh, you were the one that let me know, Nick Shuley, with set list ATX, our live music update from Nick Shuley, the uh, president of the Austin music movement. That was a surprising text you you fired my way on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I figured I'd let you know. I know you're a, you're a fan too. I've always been such a such a fan of Charlie and and Bruce and I know Bruce well and Char- Charlie was like 
the showman, the the super. Uh, mm-hmm. Bruce would say Bruce would always say Charlie was Charlie was the fun one. So he was uh, Bruce. Bruce is a little more serious and like really, really good songwriter, good guy. Well, and, play, and Charlie played football at Southwest Texas State back in the day. He was, I think, I don't know if he was walk on or scholarship, because he got the song about the home, my hometown where he talks about uh, playing football for the Rattlers or playing football for San, at, at Texas State or Southwest. He's got a song about that. Yeah, yeah well, he has it's, a, it's cool. a line of a song. Oh, it's a line yeah. of a song. Still we'll pretty play cool. that coming up. Yeah, yeah. so he he was a big guy. And big, big life of the party. Oh, yeah. and That uh, was the name of his album, was yeah. Life of the Party. Well, that yeah. was his best. I mean, he had some great <laughs> ones. But uh, how much collaborating did the brothers do on, the, like, Bruce writing songs? Because Bruce is one of the best songwriters in the business. Um, did you know how much they did on that? Or did they just kind of work together, collaborative? That's a great question. I would always check the liner notes just to – because, like, I just know that scene too well just to see who wrote what. And, like, I know – I know, I think, I can't remember, I'll probably get corrected on this, but I feel like it was that song, My Brother and Me, like, I thought Charlie, did Charlie write it, and Bruce, or did Bruce write it and Charlie did it? I can't I remember know. which way it was, but such a great song, like, oh man, it, and they, they just, that that family's so talented, and it's just such a such a sad thing, Charlie, Charlie will for sure be missed, and yeah, I know we talked about it, like, he was going to do those two shows at Green, I was so excited to, to, you know, get a chance to check him out, but it's just, just sad all around. And he he lived he lived the party for sure. He did, and all the way to the end, it appears, and it's very sad for his wife and his uh, ex-wife and children. And uh, that's that's terrible because you know Bruce has kids with Kelly Willis, and all the grand, all the kids run around together, and uh, uh, very very sad. And obviously he's, he's so he's so tangible to this community because you see him everywhere. He'd be down on Coke FM all the time with with Eric Rains, and uh, <laughs> you know those guys are in here all the time. The Bro- the Robinsons, and just very very sad. Uh, impactful for sure. Uh, all right, Nick, it's a great weekend, and you just said it's it's cooling down, and we got rain out here today. Did you drive into some rain? Coming I did. In? It was no. uh, blew my mind. Awesome. <laughs> but it's the fall tour season, which means uh, summer. It's it's time to you know, get out on the road. So the, the lineups you had to pare it back a little bit for Setlist ATX, where the best shows are all week. Yeah, I was trying to keep this keep my segment here, but below two hours, so we we had to cut some uh, we had to cut some of these bands off. <laughs> well, let's do it. Let's start tonight with a uh, big show at the Moody Amphitheater. Theater, also one at uh, Waterloo Records in store. Where are we going tonight? Yeah, one of my favorite young up and coming R and B singers, Daniel Caesar. I've seen, I saw, got to see him at Lala a couple years ago, and he's fantastic. Like that, that's totally worth seeing. Lala Palooza for you on un- unknown. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, a, a really good uh, Swedish folk band playing Stubbs. Like we're getting. I'm so happy to have like kind of the Stubbs outdoor season back. It's one of my favorite times of year where you get to go check out a show at Stubbs out there in the in that kind of backyard area. It's it's great. So cool. first aid kit tonight. Uh, City and Color will be at ACL Live, another good kind of indie folk group. Or it's one guy, but they're kind of a group, I believe. And then a really cool post kind of hardcore punk band, Movements, are playing Emos. And uh, local favorites that kind of blew up recently, and they're they're managed by the the same folks that manage the Black Pumas. And mm. uh, it's a band called Briscoe, a couple UT kids. And they're doing an in-store at Waterloo Records. Good one. Nice. Uh, those are cool. Then Thursday, another good night. Yeah, more uh, more kind of indie music. St. Motel's playing emos. Then uh, at, over at the San Jose Hotel Courtyard, they do some they do some shows every once in a while, and they got the, a cool kind of local Americana band, Harvest Thieves, playing there. And then one that we'll have a giveaway for. It's uh, Darden Smith has this series of Who Said You Could Do That, where he kind of interviews different people and lets them play play some songs, and they mm-hmm. do that at the Stateside Theater there, right by the Paramount, and. Uh, our uh, our good friend Jim Ritz has has offered up a couple pairs nice. of tickets to that one, so that'll be a cool thing. And he's got uh, Darden's got Sue Foley with him this time. Be a good one. 
Yeah, and then uh, Tangerine Dream, an electronic group, is playing Mohawk, and uh, Mohawks is the, kind of the same thing. It's a good time of year to go there and kind of start to see some outside shows. And then Tangerine Dream, I like that name. Yeah, it's uh, I think they're I want to say German. It's electronic music, and oh. then uh, so Sylvan Esso will be doing two nights at Stubbs on Thursday and Friday, and they're kind of you know indie dance electronic pop kind of stuff. Um, and then a, a big one at the Moody Center, the Arctic Monkeys, the mm. uh, you know a big big time band from the from the you know mid two thousands. And then uh, the self-described greatest band on the earth, Tenacious D, will be playing Germania Amphitheater with Jack Black and uh, Kyle Gass. Rod and I have taken to calling the Cowboys defense the Tenacious D. Tenacious oh, D. I like it. I Tenacious like it. D. Man, yeah, well, I, I'm excited to see this defensive battle next week with yeah. the Jets. Tenacious so. D. Yeah. And then, of course, we get the text from you people that says Tenacious D's you know what. You know what I mean? The, come on. Of course. <laughs> you you kind of laid that one up there. And then uh, a, a good uh, – a good in-store at Waterloo Records. Shaky Graves will be doing an in-store there. Austin High Maroon. Yeah, that's true. Uh, mm-hmm. And then that Briscoe will be doing their actual big show uh, besides that in-store. They'll be doing that on Friday at Scoot In Outdoors, which will be cool. And then uh, the, i got to put the jam band in there because I know people get mad if I leave them out. So the Disco Biscuits are doing Friday and Saturday at Empire Control the Room. Disco Biscuits. Yeah. That's a great name for it. Ty, are you familiar with the Disco Biscuits? I feel I've, like that, I've heard of I've heard. I of figured them. that would be a Thai one. Oh, man. <laughs> I have to check that out. Classic. And then an old Austin favorite playing Saturday, uh, Del Castillo will be doing the Saxon Pub. And I remember they used to play Steamboat way back in yeah. the day. They're, you know, they, they've been around for a minute. Uh, really good indie show at Stubbs. Local natives, one of my favorites. Then this band Islands will be playing Empire Control Room too, another indie group. And then this is the one I'm super excited about that I will be at. I've got to figure out how to get away from the Texas game. Hopefully it'll be out of, out of doubt by that. Jawbreaker will be playing Emos, who are – Jawbreaker and Green Day were kind of the exact same scene in San Francisco, the punk scene, and Jawbreaker stayed the indie route and never really Ooh. made it. They're one of these sad stories of every they, everybody's influenced by them. Everybody takes them out on tour. They're just like, and they have an incredible documentary called Don't Break Down, which is about like, Jawbreaker. They're, they're, yeah, it's a great fan, name too, by the way. Fantastic group. I, they are they're definitely worth your time. And then uh, a Rockefeller Records favorite will be playing Antones, uh, one of Jay Z's favorite artists, Freeway. I remember Freeway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No State property. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then uh, pop stars Ali and AJ are at ACL Live. Local local favorites will be doing the the Pershing does a cool series of uh, of kind of you know, like laid back kind of shows, and they're doing this group called San Saba are playing on Saturday night. And then, uh, and also Saturday is the Diaz y Seis de Septiembre. And so they're doing a celebration at Far Out Lounge with uh, Adriana Rosso, Easy Compadre, and a bunch of other groups to celebrate that. The Mexican Independence Day. Mexican Independence Day nice. coming up, yeah. And then Sunday, man, it's just three headliners. Three headliners oh. in uh, three different spots. And then, gosh, Monday and Tuesday, are you kidding me? This is, this is huge. Yeah, Lana Del Rey at Germania. I know that one's going to be a big show. She's got a pretty hardcore crowd. It's her and story. Then... She's so, such an indie, but she's like taken off. She had a grassroots, yeah. and now she's huge. Yeah, she has, she, she has one of those kind of, you know, Taylor Swift type fan bases that are just oh rabid. devoted yeah, yeah. Lana oh, Del Rey yeah she can she can do no wrong um, and so she'll she'll be doing Germania Amphitheater out at Coda and then uh, an artist you guys might have heard of Sting will be playing oh, uh, Moody Center it's pretty big time. How about uh, that, Moody Center Sunday, Monday, Tuesday? Are you kidding me? And how about this one? How about uh, Macy Gray playing Antones? Like nice. that, one's, that one's cool. That would be a good a good place to mm. see her. That is true. And then, uh, gosh, we got Monday night, one of my favorites, plus one of the biggest traveling bands in the world for two nights at the Moody Center. Set that up. Yeah, so Jason Isbell's doing an uh, Austin City Limits taping, which will be one to one to definitely make that. He is. Uh, we one talk about him all the time. He's one of the best there is in music. I'm very excited about that one. 
And then a, uh, a, a big pop artist, Renee Rapp, will be playing Stubbs, I believe. And then uh, the, what you mentioned, two straight nights of Pearl Jam at the Moody Center on Monday <laughs> and Tuesday. That one's going to be crazy. That is, uh, you know, Eddie Vedder, is, is, he can still get it, man. I oh. saw it. I saw him doing a, a duet rod with uh, Beyonce recently. I was watching really? a video and it was they were doing a Bar Marley song. So good. I mean, his, he can really sing. Is, his voice. Well, we is know ridiculous. he can always sing. He's just and everybody that that you know Pearl Jam has one of those Grateful Dead like followers. Oh, in, where in, insane, insanely it, rabid. <laughs> that place will be packed for two uh, nights. And yeah, it, would, it'll sound great. But Jason Isbell and Pearl Jam playing on the same Monday night, and then Pearl Jam again on Tuesday. That's awesome. And the fact that Moody's had, that they had Drake two nights this week. Yes. And I went to that one last night. And nice. then two nights of Pearl Jam. I mean, it's pretty, the, the amount of amazing shows, like the job that they've done, that like booking that C3's crushing it. Well, it we is, said it when they built it. Austin would always get skipped by these shows. Yeah, we were almost like a B market for these shows. Yes. And this turned us like directly back in. You'd a. Have I mean, to go we, to Dallas or Houston or San Antonio well, to see these big, big bands. The Spurs took a chartered bus. They were in the in the box next to us last night. The entire team, like Wemby, everybody were there. Oh, the and, wow. and they brought, you know, they brought the team. And used to, you'd have to, it was the other way around. Like, you know, like people would be going to San Antonio to see the show. And now they, they got to come here. Which was that cool. the show that uh, Drake brought KD on stage, or was he? Was yeah, the one he, before? he brought him both nights, and he, he had, he had okay. Johnny Manziel was sitting behind him. I mean, it was you know Drake. Drake can bring out some yeah, star power. That. They had uh, that's yeah, They had a crew out there. That's cool. <laughs> so the whole Spurs team was you. We got to be by Wemby. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I didn't get to see him, but uh, like I, you know. I'm sure if I stocked the, the suite, I could have just <laughs> wait, till, wait till one of them goes to the bathroom or something. That's, that sounded wrong, but anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't want to I don't want to go to the bathroom next to Wemby. I really you don't want to go to Yeah, you make you feel bad about yourself, huh? It, some, he's seven six. He's seven six. So, <laughs> or you'd be, or you'd be really shocked. You'd be like, "Whoa, bro, you're seven six. You got to get exercise somewhere, right? Yeah. You know what I'm either, either way, you're gonna be either shocked or you're gonna be shocked. <laughs> Until the, the white. Boots girl comes back in. Uh, I feel like we got to bring her in every day. The like, we just gotta, we got to bring her up all uh, um, like once a day at least. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> all right. So that's uh, Monday night uh, with with Jason Isbell taping ACLs. That's for the TV show, of course. So that's not a ticketed show, but if you're lucky enough to get into that, you're going to love it. Then Pearl Jam Moody Center, and then Pearl Jam again on uh-huh. Tuesday night, and wow. then there are other four other good shows. Yeah, big big influential indie rock group from Canada. Broken social scene will be at Stubbs, and then one of my favorite groups head automatica will be playing empire control room they're super cool uh walker lukens who is uh jim eno from spoon one of his kind of prodigies walker's phenomenal he's doing a waterloo records in store and then local guitar legend jake andrews who's been playing i mean gosh he was on stage with stevie ray Vaughan when he was like 12 he's been wow. around for for a minute he'll be doing the saxon pub and also tuesday is uh, i gotta announce it is ham day i know people know that but it's Health the day alliance for austin musicians so oh, yeah nice. there, there will be concerts everywhere all around town it's a good day to go out and support music great charity that does a lot of good things for for uh, for local artists how do you uh contribute to the charity if you can't get out to the shows so they'll have like a download link and all these things nice. they'll kind of blast it out on social cool. they'll be all over the news right. and stuff i can i can health alliance for austin week. musicians you realize that it's most, important though. a lot of these musicians yep. don't have health insurance Exactly. Right. Yeah. They're independent <laughs> yeah. contractors, and so, you know, for their hearing and just for their overall health, we just lost Charlie Robinson. I mean, these things are these things are very very important. Yeah. So, artists move group. here for that charity. I mean, wow. it's that big a deal. Like yeah. it is, it, it's that's, it's a great that's phenomenal. Yeah, Ham Day. So get out and check that out. Tuesday, Tuesday, Pearl Jam, Lana Del Rey. 
Uh, gosh, just great shows up and down the list. We'll post this for you. Excited about it. We'll get, we have tickets to give away. Uh, Nick never comes empty-handed, even if he was at the Drake <laughs> show last night. <laughs> two pairs of tickets to for four. For, so to you and a guest. We have two winners to see Darden Smith with Sue Foley at the State Theater right next to the Paramount on Thursday night. Thank you to Jim Ritz. Yeah. So call our nice. tie. You decide. Call our five and six at four four seven three seven seven six. Don't call if you can't go tomorrow night or Thursday night. I should say. Yeah, it's tomorrow yep. night. Tomorrow. It's yeah. Tomorrow night now. Uh, don't don't call if you can't go, but you can go if you are caller five or six. The weeks go by so much faster during football season, don't they? Ugh. Yeah, you got it was Thursday. Like, like, I'm Thursday. ready for Saturday, man. I know. Come on, you just fly by. <laughs> you got football on Monday, and then it helps to have that football on Monday because it makes the week really short. So, in addition to the Spurs and Manziel, how was the Drake show? Uh, it was it was good, man. He's uh. It's it's tough because he does about you know forty seconds of every song. I think he had like his set list had like fifty some songs. Really, he, he played for two hours and something. He did three different sets, and uh, it was definitely a spectacle. It's uh, yeah, it was uh, he blazes through it. I know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't like that. I'm like, just yeah. I need the jams, and I want you to play the whole damn song so I can jam it out. Yeah, it's that's why it's I don't kinda, go to It's kind of really. tough. Like, and that's like that's always been kind of a knock on hip-hop live is that a lot of artists just oh. kind of play the track and then just kind of talk over it and and he did that song did he have some live did he have a live band with him no so see that was, and, that's why i like jay-z when he oh. traveled he had a band with him like a live like band and i'm it, the same it did, way man like when you yeah. have when you when they're remaking instruments like, it, oh, yeah. it just has such a different I'm effect and uh, yeah it, it, so so he played the track for the first set then he had a dj for the second set okay and then he can't then savage 21 savage came out and so yeah it was uh i mean it was definitely Oh, I bet it was, yeah, I bet it was nice. Oh, the, the he set up and the the stage, like all the lights, everything. It was crazy, crazy yeah. show. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what Pearl Jam will be next week for two nights. I mean, Eddie Vedder. I don't know at his age, does he still do all the acro, the climbing stuff and doing that. But he, can, <laughs> he was he was a climber. Oh in his performance? my gosh! Yeah, he what was, would he do? Was, oh, he, he would climb up on stage. stage. And, he'd be he'd be twenty five, thirty feet in the air. What they, what what was the purpose of it? Was he playing? He was, was he just singing? Eddie Vedder. He's, was he a wrestler? Like he climbing up? So, what is I'll he show doing? You, I'll show you some a daredevil, I guess. That's why I didn't know that. I have a feeling that one will be a little more. Yeah, instrumentation. They're a little different than the yes. Drake show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame now. Yeah. But uh, you know, back in the day when he was coming online, he was he was a climber for ha- sure. Can I ask you about Drake though? How um how many of his songs did he actually were his R and B songs where he's singing or he's rapping? Because he's a rapper and a singer. He he, he, did, did, it. he, he did quite a bit of mix, but, it, mix? but like I said, it was just kind of he like kind of like. It was almost singing at all times and almost rapping at all times. So it was just. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Like I, I went and saw Drake at Spiros. I saw him at South by when he played. Yeah. Like, it, like I like. You're a I fan. grew up listening. I mean, like that mixtape, that first mixtape oh. he put out, like changed everything. Like I was so, such a fan. So I'm a huge fan. But yeah, it's just like once you hit a certain level, you know, it's like mm-hmm. it's it's a little more spectacle and that kind of stuff. But plus, he's got to blaze through. He's got so many. He's got so much work it, out there now. That, that's yeah. the thing you sit there and realize his... when you watch him is like, dude, this guy has just he's hits just for days. His yeah. Yeah. All right, we come back. It'll be who said that? Nick who is the that? one that uh, just said that. Thank you, Nick Shuley. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. The Austin Music Movement and a uh, great friend of our show. It's Setlist ATX. We're coming back. Who said it? Our man Dumpster Man on the text line said this. Eddie Vedder face planted in the mud right in front of me at the ACL Music Festival during the infamous <laughs> Dillo Dirt <laughs> flood fiasco. After jumping down from the stage into a barricade pit where I was working, yeah, Eddie Vedder, man, he's a he's a he's acrobatic. 
to say the least. And Pearl Jam coming twice next week. That'll be a great show. I know he's in his 60s now, so I can't imagine any better still doing that. Please don't be climbing up <laughs> random things when you're 60 He's a performer, though, man. I know he is, man. But you're old. Father there's Time. A, there's a great documentary to see Ty, a rod called... Uh, Mm. Oh God! What's it called? When he, when they do the two shows at Wrigley Field, and you just see the passion of the Pearl Jam fans at the because he because uh, you know it's called Ten. Yes, uh, Eddie Vedder grew up in Chicago. He, you know they blew up out of Seattle, but he grew up in Chicago and a big Cubs fan. Okay, and so they did two shows at Wrigley Field, and it's a really good documentary. You get to see the passion of that fan base. All right, what do we have? And uh, who said that? I think Ty has a couple. Who okay. said that? Oh, this is good. Yeah, Ty, do you have a couple? Or, uh, who said that for us? Yeah, give me one sec. Pull it mm-hmm. up. Right here. here we go. Pretty funny one. Who said that? It's a that? college football. This is a uh, FCS college football coach. You know, they blew up out of Seattle, but he grew up. Oh. Hey, now. That was the opener. That was me. Man, I'm very excited, man. We bulldogs, and we're ready to bite. <laughs> you see? I'm excited, man. I'm ready to go. It's, it's game week. It's conference week. And, uh, uh, you know, and this is going to rub off on my team. Uh, those guys are excited. We had a good practice this morning. Whoa! Did he bark? He, that was like a dog. He got that dog man, in him. Give it I'm to me. I'm very excited, man. We bulldogs and we're ready to bite. Hey, hey, <laughs> you see, I'm excited, man. I'm ready to go. Wow! I think we got another the visual drop. of it too. He's like, it looks like a, like a pit bull. Like he actually yeah. he actually made the mannerism <laughs> yeah. too. Because like, hey, hey, it came out of nowhere. We he need was like that. Directly I have no idea who that is. Wow. But we have to keep that forever. That bark. I'm not that gonna is, lie. Uh, Alabama A&M head coach uh, Connell Maynard. I'm nice. Gonna, I'm gonna remember his name because that is that's I've never heard a coach do that. We heard the coach say we need more dogs, be yeah, more yeah, dogs, yeah, yeah, be more like a dog. But man, to actually bark like a dog, all right, we can tell we're going to another level with well, this. I he got like that dog. dog. I thought Dang. like I think it was it's all right. It's okay, my man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there was Shannon Sharp because he called uh, Stephen A. Skip again. Oh, that's, that a, was, that's the funniest thing. That I've was seen worth playing again too. Yeah, that was worth playing again play too. Again. So, so Shannon it's Sharp, so good. he did seven years <laughs> with Skip Bayless, and now he's on with Stephen A. Smith, and he keeps calling him Skip. And Shannon Smith, uh, Stephen A. Shannon is kind of a perfectionist, right? He, you know, uh, yeah, of course, he's a Hall takes, of Famer. Takes his craft seriously, and he keeps saying the wrong name. So here he was. Give me that again. I agree with everything you just said. And okay. He needs to stay his ass off social media because here's the thing, Skip. Steve, Steve. Bang! It's all right. It's okay, my man. It's all right. Seven years, bro. It's okay. Don't listen. Don't worry about the truth. Steve, Don't break that bracelet, though. That's what I'm more <laughs> concerned about. Dang. No! He was so upset with himself. He, like, kept his head down, too. He was like, <laughs> That was fantastic. Good job, Ty. That was great. That's how, I, that's how I feel in here sometimes when I, when I yes. do stuff. Yeah, I you just, make mistakes. We all do it. Yeah. I think we've all had that moment. Even this week, I think we've all had a moment just like that this week. Damn! Damn! Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, all right, can I play this for you, Rod? You got one for me. Uh, no, you got it. That's good. Come all right, you're going to know who this is, but I think the topic of the, of the who said that is what's interesting. What is going on at Texas A&M? This is like, this doesn't make any sense. This is a head scratcher right here, okay? Now, I will talk more about Miami on Wednesday, all right? This is a little bit more about A&M, though. And, and the reason being is, is A&M has a 17-7 lead in that game, and then they get outscored 41-16? When you hear that, you're like, wait, hold on a second. I thought, Joel, you just showed me on the YouTube show the talent composite. I did, and I'm going to put it up again. 
There you go. Who because said that, Rodney? The, the failed experiment, he called it. I think it's one Joe Klatt. That's what yeah. it sounds like. Joel Klatt. And he's going hard on the Maggies. He said failed experiment with Jimbo Fish. So he's saying basically the, ex- the experiment should be over? If it's, yeah. Is that what he's saying? Yeah. Because Whoa. He, well, he just called it a failed experiment. We have enough, we've all said this, enough body of evidence you're and body of work to you're, know re- that You're regressing as a program. You're not you're getting better. You're still a mediocre program. Yeah. You have 17-7, get outscored 41-6. Your defense, which should be a strength based on talent, is giving up 50 burgers. I don't understand. I agree with him. I don't. I really don't understand how they're regressing, though, considering the talent they're bringing in there. Yeah, Jimbo, no culture. He just and he just hired new coaches. It's everything the opposite of Texas at the worst possible time for them with Texas developing talent, flipping players from his recruiting classes, and headed to the SEC. Mm. Not good. By the way, Eddie Vedder, 58. I aged him. He's not in the 60s yet. Eddie Vedder is 58. Oh, I just watched that uh, duet he did with Beyonce. Pretty good, right? It is. I'm going to listen to it in the break here. Pretty yeah, Eddie, Eddie can awesome. go, man. He's a, he's an all-time front man for sure with Pearl Jam. All right, we come back. Rod, if you have some uh, who said that, we'll let you get it at the top of the hour because it's the fabulous fifth hour or anything goes. Wild card round coming your way as we roll up all the way to 11 o'clock here on Hook 'Em Up with Ian Rodby.